This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here with you on a beautiful sunny morning, although... Well, what would you know about sun, mister? (laughs) I've been lying in the sun for the last how many days? Oh, well, okay, okay. I'll own up. I just got back from Florida. (laughs) Well, you are on camera. You might as well. Yeah, that's right. And uh, spent five uh, glorious days down Deerfield Beach area, Mm. which is about a half an hour north of uh, Fort Lauderdale. Really? But as I was saying to you, just off air, mm-hmm. uh, I was so impressed with the service yeah. industry. Yeah. Waiters, uh, folks in the stores are only just, they jump at a chance to help you. I think Americans and, invented you know, good customer service, boy, frankly. we've got to learn something. I'm oh, t- you know, I've said that so many times. Yeah, yeah. You, you go into a store, ever do that, you look for some help, and they, they look at you, whoa, and they scurry Run, away. Yeah, yeah, whoa, yeah. Whoa. you want help? Because but no. in Canada, we always think we, do, we can't help. We think we don't know the answers. Yeah, maybe Whereas Americans. It. Have no issues yeah, with that. They're no. sure they have the answers. Yeah. And, and anyway, think. had a wonderful time. The I know. The weather was great. grand, as you can tell from the tan. I boy, know. Boy. I, like you said, you worked hard. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling I you, my, my heart goes However, out to you. Glad to be back. An exciting day in Ontario. Number one, we've got the big convention on for the progressive the PC conservatives. leadership. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Libby Snymer is going to be joining me on oh, my show fine. about 320. And hopefully they'll they'll have things tallied by then, maybe. Wow. So and you we'll and Libby out. can just, you know, yeah. Get well, in, she'll, she'll be handling all. That part on the table there. Boy, oh boy, I tell you, it's going to be wild. <laughs> and uh, pat in the back, I remembered to put my clock ahead already in my car. Because it <laughs> two this morning is when it really is supposed to happen. I think right? you're going to get all confused when you get in your car. You're going to go, <laughs> yeah. hold on, what day is Wait it? Where, minute, am, where I? am I? What time is it? <laughs> we can't be six o'clock already. It is that we lose yeah. an hour. Overnight yeah. tonight. You spring forward. I always hate losing that hour. I you know? know. It could really just that every hour counts. You know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, all right, well, that's very cool. Um, uh, as you mentioned, a lot's going on. Let me... Oh, let me give the phone numbers. Oh, good and then, point. Yes, okay. You're right. Uh, for the Toronto area listeners, uh, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And, <clears throat> pardon me, our little mantra is call early, call often, one question per call. If you happen to be a first-time caller, please let uh, Sebastian know, and he'll pass that word along to me. And when you get to the air, that will precede you. The little welcoming wings. bell. Get your garden wings. It's yeah. a big welcome bell for your garden wings. You got it. Okay, stuff going on. Let's quickly just cover that off. A reminder that this Monday is the final um, final episode of the the premiere of Ageless Gardens. This is on Vision TV, 9 p.m., um, and as I say, it's the fifth and final. But it's been a very interesting show, um, series of shows uh-huh. I did watch last week, and I discovered something. Did you know, well, number one, the Garden Show is sponsoring Ageless Gardens, but not only that, but um, this show we are part of, and you're now listening to, if you're listening right now, 
is the number one rated garden show in Canada. Hey, there you go. Speaking of pats on the back, <laughs> good well, for us. Congratulations. Yes, indeed. Uh, um, as well, coming up this Monday, March the 12th, the Oakville Hort Society is having a general meeting at the Knox Presbyterian Church, 89 Dunn Street in Oakville, 7.30 p.m. The speaker is Kat Granger on Our Seeds and Us, a story of co-evolution. Uh, so that's a, a good one if you're in the Oakville area. Also the same night, Monday, if you're in the Agent Court area... <clears throat> Excuse me, the, at 8 p.m., the Asian Court Garden Club meets also at a Knox, but in this case, a Knox United Christian Education Center, 2575 Midland at Shepherd. Uh, guest speaker is Veronica Callanan. She's a master gardener. She'll teach everyone about low maintenance gardening. Always good to, to learn more about that. There's a seed exchange. People who have extra seeds should bring them in, share uh, lots of good desserts, coffee, tea. Chit chat, social, fun, educational, very good group. That's this Monday and this Wednesday, March 14th. The Scarborough Garden and Hort Society will be meeting for their general meeting and a free presentation, The Raised Bed Revolution. That, okay. And that goes right back again to ageless gardens and adaptive gardens, etc. You know, gardens mm-hmm. that, that age with us, grow with us. As we have trouble getting down, we bring our gardens up. <laughs> well, that's a nice little turn of phrase. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? Uh, so that's the, so, so that is the topic, The Raised Bed Revolution, present, presented by... By author gardener Tara Nolan. She's brilliant. So she's, again, certainly worth catching. Refreshments, of course, are included. Uh-huh. Guests are always welcome. Doors open at 7 o'clock at the Scarborough Village Community Centre, 3600 Kingston uh-huh. Road and Markham Road. Okay. That, is that it? Or? Uh, I have one other fun one. I'll save it for, I'll save okay. it. I'll, for just, a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. A, it's a good we one. have jammed lines uh, right now. A whole bunch of folks waiting to talk to you, Charlie Dobbin, Okey-doke. here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto, as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. And we'll be back to say hi to Bob and Don Mills in just a mo. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, let's say hi to uh, Bob there in Don Mills. Welcome to the show, Bob. Uh, hi, Frank. Uh, welcome back, and, and uh, great tan. Yeah, really. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I hi, Charlie. Uh, this is a follow-up. Uh, we, the rest of us winter-weary folks, uh, mm. we, all we have to look forward to for excitement is crabgrass, uh, like Frank. <laughs> and we called you in the fall uh-huh. and you uh, about our crabgrass problem, and you said to get some mm-hmm. uh, some stuff to put on in the spring. So right. we got... Uh, some corn gluten fortified with kelp at the garden center. Oh, fine. Yeah. About 20 pounds of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question is, when do we apply it? And and do we have to hold on? I guess we'd have to hold on seeding or, or top seeding uh, after we put it on for a period of time. Well, that's sneaky because you just snuck in two questions. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but they're good questions, yeah. so that's fine. Um, so the bag should tell you right on it when is the optimal time to apply. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do is you're going to put that, it'll be a granular, so you'll be spreading it with your fertilizer spreader right. as per whatever the recommendations are for the setting on your spreader. And you're going to apply it before the seeds germinate, the crabgrass seeds particularly, but any seeds. Mm-hmm. So that's why your second question is also good because you're right if you were to spread your preferred grass seeds down and spread corn gluten at the same time you'd be throwing away the grass seeds because the corn gluten will not allow any seeds to grow 
mm-hmm. to germinate and grow. And so, uh, I, the, the bag said uh, do it in the spring. I, I, I guess oh, my confusion was when, when does germination occur roughly at this time? So crabgrass typically we it germinates right around when the forsythia starts to bloom, which is the bright yellow shrubs, right. the early spring shrubs. So when you, if there's any forsythia in your neighborhood or when you're out and about and you start to see that yellow, you want to get the corn gluten just when the buds are cracking or just freshly opened. So when those blasts of yellow start entering your consciousness, that's the time to get the corn gluten down, and that will prevent the crabgrass from growing, crabgrass seeds from germinating. Now you mark your calendar, six weeks later, you will be allowed to put down your chosen seeds, grass seeds, and they should germinate no problem, because the corn gluten should have washed through and been neutralized within about six weeks. Wonderful. We have our plan for the spring. There you go. Great exactly. <laughs> Just leave it to Charlie to organize your life, I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank you so both so much. Bye-bye for now. Thanks, for Bob. everyone. Thanks. Uh, all the best, and thanks for joining us here on Zuba Radio. Uh, off to Oakville we go now. Hey, there's Earl. Good morning, Earl. Hi, Frank and Charlie. Morning. Uh, I'd like to just apologize to Ziggy. Uh, I said some things about her a long time ago. I'd like to apologize to her. And my question is, um, the putting down the topsoil in the fertilizer, would the end of March be a good time to do that? So you're just talking about lawn fertilizer? Yeah. Well, uh, yes, you could definitely do it. I think the idea of top dressing is brilliant because all of our lawns always need a little bit of fresh organic material every, you know, once a year, whether spring or fall. So for yeah, what sure, about the garden? Uh, same thing. Gardens, uh, soil is constantly decomposing or the organic material is constantly disappearing or should be out of our soil. So to be every year adding roughly a half an inch or a centimeter to our gardens and lawns should keep us level, should keep us at Okay, at I love you guys. Take care. Thank All you. Right, thank you, you so much. And that leads um, us to our... I just want one yes. quick addendum Go to right just ahead. what Earl's question. The one reason why you wouldn't rush out onto your lawn with topsoil and top dressing and overseeding is you want to wait until... Not only has the ground thawed, but that it's not soggy. So stay off your lawn, stay off the garden, stay off the soil entirely until that sogginess is out of the soil. Because you do compact the soil with just the weight of your feet and your body. And you can certainly affect and destroy soil structure if you're out on the lawns and gardens too early. So hold back. Hold back, stay on the sidewalk, you know, <laughs> sweep the driveway if sidewalk you have to. Sidewalk superintendent. That's right. Yeah. You can sweep up all the gravel and salt and pick up garbage and that sort of thing, but wait until we can actually get out on our lawns for another, eh, it might be a week or two. It depends how dry, how wet it is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Well, on this sunny Saturday morning, we are uh, going to mm-hmm. be talking to uh, lots of folks who are waiting online. Let's clear the decks. Uh, there is a line open right now at 416-360-0740 or anywhere. We're in the province toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And when we come back, we're off to Bowmanville, here on Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Frank and Charlie bobbing along to Bowmanville now. <laughs> There's Rebecca. Good morning, uh, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Hi there. How are you? Good. Morning. <laughs> I was uh, wondering, I, I, I too was listening last fall, but of course, 
I only retain water, not information. <laughs> so now I need to know, uh, because I'm anticipating, I know it's way too early yet, <laughs> but I'm anticipating spring, and somebody, either you or a caller, called in with a solution to mm-hmm. spray around hostas, the ground on hostas, um, and on the hostas um, to prevent slugs. Okay. Hmm. All right, so... Smoke is coming uh, well, from her ears right now. Well, you now. know why? Because there's just so many, there's multi-different solutions you can use. And last year was a very bad year for slugs because it yeah. rained so and wet. it rained and yeah. it rained. And that was totally slug kind of, you know, uh, weather. Um, now, one of the things I find works very, very well, it's called slug and snail bait. You can buy it at any Home Depot, garden center. You know, it's it's a little package. It's actually made by um, the people that make miracle Grow. So it's made by Scott's. It is not... Not toxic to anything except uh, slugs. And it's a stomach poison for them, so they eat it, and they don't die right there in front of you. They crawl away, and they die in the bushes somewhere. So you don't actually see their dead bodies, which for some people is a good thing. Uh, If there's any left over, this bait not eaten, it will dissolve in the rain, and it's actually made out of iron, and it's made out of nitrogen, and both of those are essential nutrients for plants. So as the bait dissolves, it actually feeds the plants, so it's not a bad thing at all. So that, and but you do need to with any of these things, you do need to reapply after rain if you're getting a a lot of rain, particularly. Um, This was a this was a a natural solution. It was I can't remember what it was at all. Vinegar and water, or well, you know what? um, Okay, so there's always like the vinegar. Vinegar water thing can work on slugs for sure. Do, maybe are you thinking Sean James was here when Frank was on one of his many world tours, <laughs> and and Sean had a recipe that was uh, supposed to be very very good and completely natural, and it was the two eggs, two cups of milk, two tablespoons of olive oil plus some dish soap, two liters of water. Wow. And you no. spray no, to the dripping no, point. that wasn't it. That wasn't it. Okay, well, I'll go back in my fall thing and see if I... I keep, so I keep all my notes. Um, yeah, there, it's, it, don't worry. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, there's always good recipes So you'll bring there. it up on another sure. show? Sure, yeah, leave it with me and I'll see what I've got back here in my notes. Great, thank you. Because it was, I remember... Yes, it was... Uh, uh, the, I remember you saying you spray it on the ground and, and, and before they even start coming up. Right, okay. Before the house to start coming up. And I thought, okay... Uh, well, I just need to get ready. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get for you, poised. Because yeah. <laughs> spring Thank is you coming. Thank so you very much for your efforts. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for calling. Yep. Thank you indeed for joining us on a Saturday morning. Out in Mississauga, Charlie, we have Karen waiting on the line. Good morning, Karen. Hello. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, excellent. So I have a south-facing window, mm-hmm. and all my plants are clustered around it because it gets such great sunshine. Yeah. But I have... A jasmine plant that has like a stuff on it, and then I have like a brown pieces on my orchids, and so I have some infestation of something, and I think it's more than one thing, and I don't know what to do. Uh, When you say brown, is it something you can pick off? Like, is it little brown bumps? And those are in the orchid leaves. Yeah, are they? They're little brown bumps, and you can actually pick them off with your excuse me thumbnail. Yes. Okay, that's called scale. It's an insect. S C A L E. How do you control scale? Scale is probably best controlled, honestly, by picking it off. Um, it's do that with your thumbnail sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And if there's, so, okay, a couple of things you can do. One is, Karen, if you would like to take some photographs, close-up, clear photographs of any of these issues and email them to me, I'm happy to look at what you've got going on there. Okay. Many of our indoor plants will, in stressful situations, somehow get things like mites. They can get mealybug. They can get scale. I mean, the, it's, they come in from somewhere. Sometimes they'll come in on a poinsettia at Christmas time. But either way, insects come into our homes. They don't have um, any big population burst unless the, our indoor plants become stressed for one reason or another, whether too much water, not enough water, whatever, whatever. Suddenly we get a big burst of, of an insect infestation. Okay. Soap is one of your, of course, safer soap is always one of your go-tos, and that is something where you take the plants into the bathtub, spritz, spritz, spritz till they're dripping, let the soap sit for 10 or 15 minutes, rinse off with clean water, and drip dry out back into the window. Um, but scale is one of your trickier ones because they've got that shell, that hard shell. Right. And that's where the f- picking off is a good thing. You will have to stay right on. T- I would pick off everyone you see. Then I would spray with soap. I'd wait 10 days or keep an eye for any more adults with the shiny brown shells on them. Pick those whenever you see them. And, of course, pick straight into the garbage. Right. Uh, and then, you know, 10 days later, do the soap spray again. Um, mealybug covers its body in a little waxy coating. So, mm-hmm. again, it tends to be able to withstand the soap because, of course, the soap doesn't penetrate the wax. So that becomes a thing of Q-tips and rubbing alcohol. And each individual insect needs to be touched with a Q-tip doused in alcohol. And they'll shrivel up and die right before your very eyes. So there's sort of different things to do depending on the insect. Okay. Younger insects are always way easier to kill, I'll tell you that much. Which one is? The younger the insect, the, the right. or more immature it is, the more susceptible it is to any of the sprays and things that we have available to us. Right. So on the jasmine, there is some like webbing, like spider webbing. Yeah. So that would indicate spider mites. Okay. Um, there is a product, um, yeah, and again, you will find this in a garden center or any of the home stores. It goes under a couple names. One name is Endall, E-N-D-A-L-L, and it'll say right on it that it is for mite control. So just go to your local, whatever, Home Depot, Canadian Tower, Sheridan Nurseries, look on the shelf or ask somebody to show you for something to control mites. It's very limited what's out there for mite control. And then follow the instructions to the letter. Now, should I be spreading out the plants so that they don't reinfest each other? Yeah. Or? Well, that's a good point, actually. Um, if you've got, a, yes, in a perfect world you would, but I don't know if you have enough space or light by the sounds of it. I, I'd be inclined to start treating them all since they've been so close together anyway. Mm-hmm. To If you don't really have a, a good way to quarantine them individually from each other, uh, it'd probably be easier just to leave them together as they are. But while you're treating one, treat them all. Okay. So, like, the, the jasmine has the mites. Because that has, it's like a webbing. The webbing, and it, the leaves have a. I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah, Sounds let, good. let me give a. Have you got a piece of paper? And, I do. Uh, okay. Got that handy, and the rest of you will take a note here. Mm-hmm. Um, here's Charlie's email address here to the station. It's c.dobbin, that's D O B B I N, at mzmedia.com. Dot com. Okay? And thank you very much, Karen, for those questions. Uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, no, it is it is frustrating because we're really mm-hmm. noticing, you know, days are getting longer, plants are starting to respond. It's quite exciting, yeah. the, the, the house plants. Could be just around the corner where uh, Doug is on the line. I'm delighted he called because he's a first-time caller. It gives me a chance to Get reach some exercise. The yeah. <laughs> there we are. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. Hi, guys. Um, I'd like to know how I can... Uh, 
take my lavender plant and uh, take cuttings or do I do break the root? What do I do? Oh, you want to divide and expand? Yes. So wait until the new growth starts. So we're talking probably mid-June, late June, where we've got that burst of new growth starting on the tips of the plants. And at that point, you can take cuttings of that new soft growth. So little two-inch, three-inch cuttings, root those cuttings, and start fresh plants that way. That's your easiest way by far. And Any special medium to root them in? Um, well, it's always uh, something that will ho- hold moisture. Uh, so it could be wet sand, it could be perlite, it could be any, you know, yeah, even just a s- soilless mix. Uh, but it needs to be kept moist at all times, though not soggy. So just to get those. And a little rooting hormone speeds up the emergence of roots as well. So that's, that's a product called Stim Root. It's a little powder that you just dip the cut ends of the cuttings into and then into your moist medium. And you should have roots within two, three weeks uh, from actively growing lavender. Well, okay. cheers. Thank you very much. You're very great. Yeah, thanks for joining us, thanks Doug. Thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. Door's always open here. <laughs> and the Zoomer coffee's Radio. always on. Exactly. And I'm running low, too. Gee. Hmm. <laughs> okay, uh, Patrick in Caledonia. Welcome to the Garden Show. Hello, Patrick. Morning. Patricia? Oh, Patricia. Oh, Patricia. I'm oh, sorry. Frank's, you know, he's just been on holidays too long. Not a problem. <laughs> We're I'm building sorry. new new houses are going to be built in Caledonia, and their backyard is going to face our backyard. Uh-huh. So we'd like to plant some evergreens that are tall and not too wide to give some privacy, and hopefully uh, they would be reasonably disease-resistant. Mm-hmm. So the tall and not too wide is the is the tricky one. How so? You're thinking kind of like a hedge, basically. Yeah, sort of. You know. And, well, and what uh, direction does the front of your house face, or the the back of your backyard face? Uh, the backyard is going to be facing south. Okay, so you've got lots of sun. All right, so evergreen, the traditional narrowest, tallest, most disease-free um, evergreen hedge would be a cedar hedge. What is that? Cedar hedge. So cedar, okay. evergreens, uh, cedars, they do need some maintenance along the way. If you never prune them, they will get wider and wider and taller and taller. So okay. you, starting young with um, cedars, now at this time of year, how, how wide is your yard, the width of your lot? Oh, dear. Maybe 60 feet. Yeah. And you want to go something right across the whole back there. Right. So it would be expensive to buy, uh, you know, 40 or 45 cedar plants uh, in pots to create that sort of instant hedge look. But, you know, certainly doable. But, you know, that would be fairly expensive. Early in the season, now and for the next, where are we, March 10th. So now and for the next even six weeks or so, eight weeks, you can buy from a, a good um, nursery supplier, something called bare root plants. So these okay. are cedar trees. They'll be young cedar trees with roots attached, but no soil on them, no pots, no soil. And the idea is that they are dormant. They're only planted, purchased and planted early in the spring. And this is the time of year where you would prepare the area. You would dig your trench where the plants are going to go in. Uh, you're going to make sure that you're giving these plants some width, uh, ultimately to be four or five feet wide. So of course your trench is going to be inside your property line by a good, you know, meter, meter and a half, four to four to five, six feet. Trench, 
you know, and your trenches are, doesn't have to be that deep. It might be 12 inches deep, a foot deep, right across. And you place your order. And what the kind of cedars you want are the native cedars. So there's white cedar or black cedar. Both of those are native to Ontario. And both okay. of them will thrive. When it fir- the cedar hedge first goes in from bare root plants, it tends to be a little on the scrawny side. But it will, with care and water and fertilizer, it will thicken up and beautify and be, you know, quite lovely within two, three years, but it's just the least expensive way to get that happening. Thank you so much. You're wow. very welcome. Thank you for calling. I'm sitting here and I'm watching in amazement and listening <laughs> in amazement. I, I say to friends of mine who say, hey, you do that radio show, the garden show with Shai. I say, yeah, what she doesn't know about gardening, you can put in a thimble. Honest to, honest to be <laughs> oh, amazing. It's, it really is amazing. Well, thank you. And she My wasn't consulting any book there. I no, might it's all the not be able her, to get out of the studio. The top of her pointed little head. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> hey, Sophie in Hamilton, welcome to the show. Yes, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Thank you. Charlie, mm-hmm. um, I have an anthurium. Mm-hmm. It's very, very healthy. It's blooming. Nice. It needs to be repotted. It's- my my question to you is, as the plant is growing, there is little bits of, I assume, their root, roots, um, uh, balls coming up. Does that go all the way into the pot, or do I plant the plant the, uh, the same um, height as it is now. Well, okay, so first question is, are there roots growing out the bottom of the pot where the drainage holes are? Do you see roots at the drainage holes? Uh, no, actually, I don't have a drainage hole in this pot. <gasps> That's why you've got those roots growing out the top. All right, okay. get that poor plant out of that pot and choose a pot that is uh, maybe an inch bigger. Like, don't go massively bigger. We, we When we step up the pot, potting for transplanting purposes we do it one size at a time uh-huh. otherwise the plant goes into shock and stops growing entirely so if it's in a four inch pot or a six inch pot right now you can go up one step so you could go up to a six or up to an eight inch pot fresh potting soil of course or soilless mix and make sure whatever pot you choose has drainage holes okay okay and you're like anthurium does like to be kept fairly moist so it sounds like it's quite happy it's flowering it's doing all these things you're obviously watering it appropriately now Um, the main thing is make sure it doesn't ever sit in water and that's why those drainage holes are so important Okay. So the question was, do you bury all that stuff that's currently above ground? No. No. When you go into your new pot, you're going to go in at the exact same level it is now. Okay. Okay. The surface is going to match the surface. And I can plant it even though it's flowering and it's got new flowers coming up. It's still okay to plant it uh, this month, next month? Well, once anthuriums start to flower, I find they kind of just keep going. They don't really stop. It's kind of like African violets. If they're happy, they'll just bloom all the time. So there's there's never a good time to to repot or transplant when plants are constantly flowering on you. Um, But we it is spring is always a good time because repotting, transplanting is stressful. And spring plants are just so happy to be alive and they're just bursting with all kinds of energy that they they withstand the stress of repotting quite well in the spring compared to other times of the year. Charlie, thank you. You're very welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for enjoying it along with us here yeah. on Zuma Radio. It is a gorgeous day. Yeah, Look yeah, at the blue. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to be uh, walking in the... Uh, 
confines of uh, Hyde Park after the show. Uh, the confines of Hyde Park. Hyde Park's big. <laughs> well, it's not yeah, very you're right. confined. You're right. You're right. <laughs> now you keep copious notes, so you'll you'll know exactly who it was that was questioning you about uh, slug uh, uh-huh. fighting slugs, natural slug solution. Excellent. Because from a little note that Sebastian's left for us here in the monitor, it might be that Joanne has the answer we're looking for. Hmm. Hi, Joanne. Good morning, Joanne. Hi, Charlie. Charlie, I love you, and I don't really know much about gardening. I know you're the expert. I just have a solution that did work for me. Um, I had a problem with slugs, and it's a natural solution, so I put a little bowl of my Stella Artois beer out. Uh, Okay, They came out of nowhere. Oh, my God, they love that stuff. I know. It's it's such a waste of beer, but they do love it. (laughs) Yeah, and it did work. I know you had another solution with a spray. I can't remember what it was. That did work. Um, my neighbor Paul said that if I continue putting beer out, he would be in the yard drinking <laughs> my beer. <laughs> I, I know, it's, but and didn't you find it kind of disgusting all those drowned slugs in the bowl? Yeah, you I just know. Kind of toss that off to the side and refill the bowl. Uh, yeah, well, it was, that was their, their mortality. They went a good way, though. Eh? True, true. Drowning in beer can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So that's a good one. Well, I hope that Rebecca from Bowmanville is listening because that is a simple solution once the slugs are up and around and doing. Doing their thing, um, right. but I'm still going to go back in my notes to see what we I had had as a, had as a recommendation as an early spring pre-emergent spray. Yeah, mm. and, and the other thing was I did hear on there quite a while ago that uh, one caller called in and she had a problem with ants, and it was a huge problem with ants. They had a long, long driveway. Her solution was to put down. Um, oh my God, what is it? Um, what's that spice? Oh, not. Oh, cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yeah, for ants. That is very, very successful. I love that. It's Mm -hmm. it's a solution. It Mm -hmm. smells good, and and the ants are gone. That's true. No, they do not like cinnamon. It's true. I buy buy it in bulk from Costco. (laughs) Yes, me (laughs) too. To deal with the the ants. Yeah, I have my hot dog at Costco and then uh, get my cinnamon. (laughs) Good stuff. I think I've seen you there. <laughs> yeah, me <That's> too. Right. <laughs> uh, mustard and uh, relish and a little Cayenne bit of onion sometimes. Mm, on those Costco hot dogs. <laughs> Something else. Hey, Joanne, thanks for calling in. Thank you. The show. Thank Thank you. you. <laughs> we have to take a break, and normally I'd be maybe running down the hall to fill up my coffee cup, but after your call, if I can search the fridge for a beer, uh, that'd be a great idea. <laughs> anyway. I can bring it to you in a bowl if yeah. you like. Oh, good. <laughs> Slurp okay. it out. <laughs> All righty. We have to take a little break here. We'll be back in just a moment here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here along with Charlie and welcoming Dominic Wait. from Miss... Hmm? Hold. Oh, geez. You know, we discussed this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We we discussed this. I got lost. Uh, you uh, get you had so something. excited. Got to move the show. Yeah. Got to go. Got to go. All right. I've been doing my homework while you've been yes, looking out the window, right. uh, Florida guy, and <laughs> dreaming about the beach and hanging out at the pool. So just to go backwards here, Rebecca called from Bowmanville. She was wondering about a spray to spray on the surface of the soil early in the spring before the hostas emerge mm-hmm. as slug control. Yes, indeed, I found it. Last October the 7th, from Southampton, we got a call from Peter. And he's a hosta guy. He grows tons of hostas. And he said what works for him is a spray. And it's a very simple spray. It's ammonia and water. So that's not bleach. That's ammonia and water, 1 to 10 ratio. So 10 waters, 1 ammonia. Mix it up. Spray on the soil. He said every 2 to 3 weeks. 
perfect control of slugs. Okay, there, there you, you go. go. And I was preemptive there. I, <laughs> you sorry so about excited. that. Yeah. Uh, in Mississauga, there's Dominic. Hi, Dominic. Welcome to the good show. Morning. How you doing, guys? Good. Excellent. Good morning. That's good. That's good. Now I got a bit of a problem. I got a plum tree. It's about sixty years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year, the year before, that thing was loaded. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all fall down. They got so big, and uh, we never test the plum yet. Mm-hmm. So we're just wondering now when is a good time to do the spray, mm-hmm. the dermat oil. I done them in October, mm-hmm. and when is a good time to do it? And how often I have to do it? And when I should stop doing? Okay, no, good questions. Did you get any plums when you said it had so many, or did they all fall? We had lots of plums. There's a lot of plums in the tree, but I mean. They got so big, yeah. and uh, so uh, they had, I caught them, and they had a worm inside, oh, like a little okay. touch of them. Uh, she couldn't really eat them. And they yeah. all fall down. Well, and plums have a tendency, well, all the fruit trees, they'll have a big year of, of so much fruit, and then you'll have, like, nothing the next year. And then, you know, so it's an, they kind of alternate. Uh, and you do have to be careful that your trees don't have too many fruits on them because the branches will break and all kinds of bad things happen. But the bottom line is dormant spray, which is the dormant oil mixed with lime sulfur. Right. So that's your, you buy that as a kit I now. I got that, right. Yep, and you mix with water. Right. So all you need are three important conditions. One is you need it to be above zero. So the temperature must be above zero, and there must be no rain in the forecast for at least 24 hours after you spray. And the third thing is that there's virtually no wind. Because when you're spraying the dormant spray, there's no leaves on the tree. So the spray spray goes beyond the tree. It's what we call overspray. Because you want to spray until the tree is dripping. You want all angles right. li- literally dripping right. um, and you a great idea to do it in the fall and in the spring as a preventative for insect and disease problems right. on all our fruit trees so good question and good time for it and now when, when my main concern is when uh, when should I how many times do I have to do it oh, uh, just, after start a blooming Oh, no, you never spray this after it starts blooming. You spray before the plant. Just before. Yeah, so it's. And, and actually, you never spray any um, blooming fruit trees because if you spray <clears throat> when they've got flowers, you can end up killing bees. And there's actually a legislation called the Bee Act. You know, right. it's, it's actually against the law to spray fruit trees when they're blooming. So, um, and that's an old legislation. So. The dormant spray is called dormant spray because we spray it on a dormant plant. So the trees should have no leaves, no buds, no flowers. They're completely fast asleep still, but we spray when they're dormant to prevent overwintering diseases and insects that are on the tree right now, sleeping just like the tree is, but you're going to annihilate those sleeping insects and diseases if you can spray them with the conditions I mentioned. So above zero, no wind, and no rain in the forecast. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, Dominic. Good luck with all of that, and thank you for joining us. That's a really timely question. I'm glad Dominic brought that up, because we really are on the cusp of getting out our dormant spray, and frankly, you can avoid so many issues coming, you know, 
coming up in this uh, in this next sort of season by doing the dormant spray in advance. Okay. We have to go dormant in just a couple of moments, <laughs> for just a couple of moments, and we'll be back in a moment here. Speak to for say, yourself. <laughs> hi to Jane in Chatham, but we'll be along with her in moments. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And just before we go back to uh, the phone lines, you have a little uh, interesting note. A little the show tip you here. Mentioned. Yeah. Well, I just—it's kind of one of those things where it made me smile. Uh, so, if you're in Victoria, British Columbia, right now, or traveling out that way over the next uh, week or so, up until March 14th, you want to participate in the annual flower count. Oh, Can you boy. believe it? Yeah. It's a light-hearted and fun-filled way to promote Greater Victoria's mild climate and foster community spirit and make us hate them. Frankly, they're, they're bragging is what they're doing. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> so the flower count brings together people of all ages to count flower blossoms in a friendly competition. Last year's promotion, believe this or not, saw over 138 million blooms counted across Greater Victoria, with the city of Colwood winning first place as the bloomingest community for the fourth straight year. Well, there you go. More information, www.flowercount.com. Okay. Marianne, uh, flowering with a question Wait, here. Marianne. Uh, I'm Jane. sorry, Jane. Yeah. Jane Chatham. Yeah, hi, Jane. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks, I think, someone called in about trying to get their orchids to re-bloom. Mm-hmm. Either they called in with the hint or you gave it to them. Do you remember? <laughs> or do you even know uh, how? I do, yes. And so this is, you have a green orchid, do you? Yes. Um, it has bloomed in the past, mm. and now I can't get it to bloom again. And it was probably blooming when you got it, when it was given to you, I imagine, or you yes. bought it. Yes. Um, all right, so uh, where, what kind of window have you got it in right now? What kind of light? Uh, it's in a north window. Okay, and that should be good, because it's likely a phalaenopsis, or a moth orchid, they're called, that you have. Uh, so a north one. window is good, because it's bright, but it's not hot, sunny, too intense. Right. When you water that orchid, what do you do? I take it in the bathroom and I fill it right up to the rim and leave it for five minutes or so. In the sink? Yes. So you fill it right up with just like tap water? Yes. So one thing I do is I uh, have my water sit out overnight in a watering can. Mm -hmm. Uh, That way some of the additives that are in the water have... left of the water have gone into the air um, not all of them but some of them I mean perfect world we get rainwater to water our orchids uh, and immersing doing a, a deep watering like that is good then again the good drainage is important also a yeah. good idea but water in sort of when required and at this time of year fertilizer is completely appropriate a fertilizer for orchids specifically mixed in that could be once a month uh, will definitely promote blooms and blossoms because otherwise your watering technique sounds fine and your light levels sound fine I just think about some fertilizer okay and um, and how often I'm 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 usually I water them every two weeks oh do you on the calendar so I mean I water my orchids when they're really light like I just do a weight test with the weight of the pot Um, so you know then you could get a hold of some orchid fertilizer see what the recommendations are on the package at at the most I would ever fertilize any indoor plant is once a month so that would be every second watering in your case yeah right but every two weeks is okay it's not too much 
unlikely. It's probably fine. You know, if the, or the yeah. plant has good, good, strong, healthy-looking green leaves, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of promoting those the flower bud formation, and that's where that fertilizer will make a difference. Yeah. Okay. okay. We'll give it a try. Alrighty. Good luck with Thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for very joining much. us on the Garden Show. Hey, uh, to I think wind up the show. Here is Marianne, just around the corner, maybe here in Toronto. Hi, Marianne. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I believe on a, a one one of your former shows, you recommended diatomaceous earth uh-huh. um, to deter slugs around yeah. hostas. Yep, that's true. Or crushed eggshells. Bo- yeah, both which, work on the same principle, exactly. And uh, they're always in, uh, they're always available. <laughs> That's right. Well, and and again, the diatomaceous earth would need to be replaced after a rain, whereas the eggshells not so much. They're exactly. not going to dissolve away. But they, you want to crush them as fine as you can because yes. the, the principle is that the slug is sliming its way over the surface of the soil and lacerates its belly on the sharp edges of eggshells or diatomaceous earth, thus losing all of its liquids and dying a horrible death right there in your garden. Well, uh, I've had uh, success with the eggshells. Yeah, yeah, no. And eggshells are great, too, because they add a very slow uh, release of calcium and phosphorus into the soil as well. So, no, it's a very good idea. So these are all, everybody's on slug control today, it sounds like. So good for good for you being, you know, preemptive on some of these ideas, because slugs were a huge issue last year. Thank you for your show. Thank you very much for calling. Bye. And- Mary right. yeah. well, I sure hope Rebecca has listened right through. Yeah. She was our third caller, and we've had a lot of feedback and tips for anybody who's thinking in advance about the slug problems. Exactly. Okay. Have you got a busy day lined up? I always have a busy day, and it's that time of year, and we're losing an hour. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I need my hours. So um, next week, we are expecting uh, a special guest. Oh, yeah. Chris Wong from Youf. What's Youf, you say? Y-U-F. Young Urban Farmers. Oh, okay. We'll find out about that. Chris is going to come and tell us about his his company he started called Young Urban Farmers. All righty. We'll look forward to growing our listenership because of that. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. I'm glad you had fun. You do look well rested. Well, thank you so much. And Sebastian couldn't do any of this without your help. Thank you very much. And great callers. Keep those questions coming. I like it. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.